Welcome back to the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message from Acts chapter 1, verse 8, entitled, His Last Command, Our First Concern. The Great Commission is the church's mandate, our marching orders. Each one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, concludes with a version of the Great Commission, and Acts, which picks up the activity of the church following Jesus' ascension, includes the Great Commission in its opening chapter. Why is each one different? Probably because Jesus said it again and again and again, each time in a little different way. That tells me that this is important to him and that it should be of primary importance to us. Here's Pastor Tim. He who does that, and he's given you authority to take on that mission. Let's move quickly then, because that leads me right to number three. <clears throat> you also have an assignment. You do, you have an assignment. After he said that you would receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, he says, you shall be witnesses to me. You shall receive power, that's your assistance. The Holy Spirit's come upon you, that's your authority. You shall be witnesses to me, that's your assignment. That's what you are to do. So hold your place here in Acts chapter number 1. <clears throat> Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. It's a great passage concerning our assignment that comes from God. Now, we love verse number 17 because it tells me who I am. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a new creature in Christ all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What a beautiful verse. I love that verse. It tells me who I am in Christ. But when I keep reading, it tells me what I'm to do in Christ. And, and, and as we read through this, <clears throat> look in there. If you, if you want to mark these in your Bible, that's what I've done. I've just marked each one of these in my Bible. Every time that I find some form of the word reconciled. To make, to make what is at enmity right again. To be reconciled. Look at what he says in verse number 18. Now all things are of God. Here's your first one. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Okay, stop there for just a moment. So what's he saying in that? You belong to Christ. You're a new creation, right? All things have passed away. All things have become new. This because he has reconciled you to himself. He's taken you in your sinfulness, washed you clean and white, and allowed you fellowship with the Holy One. Only he can do that. You can't do that by simply trying to be better. He's got to do away with all of that other stuff and bring you then to himself. So he has reconciled you. Finish the verse. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So now that I am reconciled to him, I have a ministry then to others where I'm supposed to introduce them to this very same Jesus who can reconcile them too. It's a ministry of reconciliation. Let's keep going. Verse 19. That is. So good. He's going to explain it. <laughs> I need somebody to explain it. So he's going to explain it. That is, 
that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Who takes the initiative? He does, right? He reconciles us through the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. He is reconciling the world, the people of the world, to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, not counting those sins against them, not adding them to to their account. Notice this. Sounds almost like the end of the, the very last verse we read. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. You know one of the things that tells me? See, for a long time, I, I didn't share my faith. And, and again, it's not because I didn't know I was supposed to. I knew I was supposed to. I just didn't feel comfortable doing it, and I thought I had an out. I thought, I, had, I, I thought I'd come up with some reason why everybody else should do that, but I don't have to do that. Right? And, and, and you'll hear somebody sometime, they'll say, well, I don't, I mean, I don't like tell the gospel to somebody else. I just try to live a good example in front of them, you know. Is it important to live a good example? Absolutely. If you don't live a good example, it's going to nullify your words, right? But <laughs> somebody, somebody well said a fisherman never influences fish into the boat. You got to go catch them, right? You have to tell them. He's not just giving you a ministry of reconciliation. He's given you the word of reconciliation. And guess whose word that is? It's his word. He's the one taking the initiative. You become a great tool in his hand. All right, let's keep going. Therefore... All right, what's the therefore, therefore? The therefore is because of all of this other stuff that he's just said in verses 17, 18, and 19. Now, because of that, because you've been reconciled to God, because now you've been given the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation, knowing full well that he wants to continue to reconcile the whole world to himself, we are ambassadors for Christ. I've underlined this in my Bible. I cannot, I cannot get past this phrase. It is as though God were pleading through us. As if God himself is begging them to be reconciled. He says then, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's it, isn't it? That's my assignment. I'm I'm an ambassador. I'm a representative. I speak what he speaks. I act when he acts. So now let's go back to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. If I understand from that passage, I've been given as an ambassador, I've been given a ministry and a word of reconciliation as God himself wants to reconcile everybody in the world with himself. Now I come back and I feed that right back into what Jesus is saying in the Great Commission. But you, Tim, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. I don't know what image that conjures up for you, but I know what it does for me. I mean, I think of, I think of Perry Mason already. All right, I just threw Sage and Dez 
a big old curveball. They'll have to go look up who Perry Mason is. They love Perry Mason, but you've got, you, you've got a, a witness who's called to the witness box to, to, to swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth about what they have seen and about what they have heard. That's, that's the picture that I get. Let me give you another picture. Just simply by the word itself. The word that Luke chooses to use, there's Jesus as he quotes Jesus. Jesus, I guess, is one that chose the word. He says, you shall be martus to me. Do you hear the word martyr in there? Yes, we are to tell what we have seen and heard. A, a witness, one who goes on the record. But it's a life and death proposition. I am his martyr. Now maybe you begin to back off of Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 and say, I don't know if I want to do that or not. All right, Sage, let me give you another one. <laughs> hey, at least you'll know the movies. Mission Impossible, right? Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is, and he goes on, right? This is our mission. And if he is Lord, I don't get to choose whether I accept it. He commands me to accept the assignment. You have an assignment, and that's it, to be his witnesses. So how are we supposed to do that? Let me give you number four. You have an approach. You have an approach, and Jesus gives them an approach. I mean, is there some kind of plan? You're some kind of method. <clears throat> I think my very favorite um, rendition of the Great Commission is the one that's in Mark's Gospel because it's so short. Go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. All right, so how am I supposed to do that? Is there a strategy for that? Yes. Jesus said, you shall be witnesses to me, in Jerusalem. In our context, what does that mean? It means Columbus, right? It means this by-city area that we're in. We need to take the gospel there. If we're not going to take the gospel to the neighborhood that surrounds us, why would we go across the world? If we're not going to meet the community, God has planted this church here for a reason. And for 70 plus years, we've tried to be a good gospel presence to our neighbors and all of those around us. So how do you do that? And this is the easy one. These are people that you work with. These are people that you go to school with. These are people that you live with. These are people that, that you live near. This, these are people that are right here. They're people who look like you, act like you, talk like you, think like you, share the same culture as you do. This is the easy one. You know, one of the ways that you can get started with that is simply through this, um, this Sunday school campaign that we're doing right now. You know, we say, invite people to Sunday school. You get points, all right? I mean... I don't know if that's really the best incentive, probably not the most mature incentive of them all, but your class gets points when you invite people. Do you know that in two weeks you've invited 46 people to Sunday school? What I really want to know is, 
the two weeks before <laughs> when I didn't get points for it. Just start talking to people about church. Don't you love your church? I mean, don't you want people? You come here. Wouldn't you want your friends, your family, your neighbors to come here? You have to invite them. Statistics say that 97% would say yes if you asked them to come to church. Now, you might not find that to be true out of your 46%, but you know what the best thing to do when you get a no is? Go ask somebody else. Just do it. If you're not going to invite them to church, I'm not so sure you're going to feel comfortable. Go ahead and breaking out the gospel on them. Start somewhere. You know, just start. Okay, he says go to Jerusalem. Then he says go to all Judea. Judea, sometimes, are the, are the people that are in that surrounding region. Jerusalem was a city inside the region of Judah. So sometimes we would say, um, you know, it's Georgia. You know, that, that's, our, that's our Judea. I want to tell you in a minute why I think that's not exactly the way that you should look at that. I think you're talking about people that live not necessarily near you, but they share what you share. They are of like culture. They are of like language. They are of like status. They, are, uh, they, they, they look like you, talk like you, think like you. They just live somewhere else. And he says, go into Samaria. See, typically when we take this, we say Jerusalem's, Jerusalem is Columbus. Judea is Georgia. Samaria is anywhere else in the United States um, that's not Georgia. You know? You studied this morning. John chapter 4, you studied the Samaritans, right? What was the problem? The Jews hated the Samaritans. They hated them and they were afraid of them. They, they, they felt like the Samaritans were half-breeds. Because essentially that's what they were. Alexander the Great conquered the region and decided to bring Greek culture in by mixing Greek and Jewish people together and you end up with the Samaritan culture. They, they felt like they were turncoats, traitors, people that you don't want to be around. Let me tell you something, you don't have to leave Georgia to find somebody like that. You don't have to leave Columbus to find somebody like that. You go to South Columbus, you go to certain parts of your own neighborhood, you're going to find Samaria there. He says, you've got to take the gospel to them. It's not up to you to decide that. Well, I don't like them. Well, okay. Jesus doesn't like me half the time, you know. It's not about whether you like them. It's about how much you love Jesus. I love the missionary who said, somebody asked him, what does it take to be a great missionary? A, a, a great love for lost people? They said, no. It takes a great love for Jesus. And that's it. And then he says to go to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. That's, that's everywhere, isn't it? For this one, you're probably going to have to travel. For this one, you're probably going to have to learn how to communicate with somebody who doesn't look like you, talk like you, think like you, share your culture, all of those things. You're going to find them everywhere. And here's the neat thing about America in these days. God's bringing them here. Here in Georgia. Here in Columbus 
are pockets of people from all over the world. What this reminds me of in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, and as I read all the way through the rest of the book of Acts, is that Jesus isn't an American Savior. He's not even just a Savior for the Jews. He's for the halves, the Samaritans, and He's for the Gentiles too. Everybody, everywhere, anybody, anywhere. The story of Larry Walters is a fascinating story. I'm going to give you the short version tonight. Back in 1982, Long Chair Larry, as he became known, decided that he wanted to float over the Mojave Desert. So he bought 45 helium weather balloons, filled them with helium, and attached them to a lawn chair. When his friends cut the tethers, he thought that he would gently glide up over the desert, be able to see them. Instead, he shot like a rocket to 16,000 feet in the air <laughs> and stayed up there for 45 minutes. When he finally came back down, um, there was a group of people there waiting for him. Some were reporters, some were police, <laughs> and both of them had something to say to Larry. One of the reporters asked him, why did you do it? Reportedly, what he said was, because you can't just sit there. It was something I had to do. Let me tell you this, when it comes to Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, you can't just sit there. It's something we have to do. We just have to. Make sure you bow your head and close your eyes with me. I don't want it to take you three years to get to a point to where you finally drum up enough courage instead knowing what I know now maybe you would say Jesus I've never shared my faith with anybody but I want to I just don't know how I see tonight that you promise that you will give me power from your Holy Spirit. Ask your Holy Spirit to fill me right now. To be in control. That's all that means. To be in control. To be in control now. To be in control of, of where I go and what I do and who I see and who I talk to. To be in control of that conversation. I'll do it if you'll help me. And he's already promised to help you. Jesus, I pray that you would fill our baptistry. Week after week after week. That we would see men and women and boys and girls come to know Jesus. In Acts it says that you added to your church daily People who are being saved. If you can, if you can do that daily, I, I think you should at least be able to do that here weekly. In the same way that you use those disciples, I believe that you want to use us. My prayer is that you will.
Father, bless these moments. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me tell you this quick story before I give you the invitation. I was bothered by being a three-year-old Christian and having never shared my faith. I, I heard stories from some of my friends. I was in college. And they had the greatest stories to tell. And I just thought, I, I'm not ever going to do that. I remember just asking the Lord to help me. You know one of the greatest things that he did? He brought three of us together. Three people that independently he was dealing with this very same issue with. And none of us knew it. And he put us on mission together. You may have a friend. You may have somebody that you have confidence in. You say, I want to I learn how to do that. Will you help me? Or, or I, don't, I don't know how to do this any better than you do. So why don't we just go and do it? I promise you it'll be rewarding. Maybe that's a commitment that you make tonight. I believe God will do it. Let's stand together. If you need to come, come. If you want to come to the altar, come on to the altar. This year at Britt David, we would like to challenge you to join us in reading through the Bible in a year. This is a great and rewarding way to start your day. If you would like a copy of the reading plan, you can request a copy at churchoffice at brittdavid.org. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.